You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brent McCoy, Chris Scales, hey Mike. Greg Hectus, what up? And Tony Groves. Good evening, fellas. Hey, welcome. Hey, thanks for showing up. Uh, let's start out by reminding you that iRacers Lounge uh, sponsors the ARCA series on Monday at the Old Bastards Racing League. And uh, this time it was at the famed tri- uh, Tricky Triangle with Chris Monroe capturing his second pole award. Doug, Doug Conroe won the Hard Charger Award, gaining 23 spots. And Metro Ford Cup regular Mike Franklin led the most laps with uh, 21 and won the Pocono race. So Mike Franklin, good job. Uh, Chris Monroe second, and Texas Joel Kilburn rounding out the top three. Steve Thompson still leads the standings this week, but he can hold off the old bastards next week at Watkins Glen. Uh, and Tony, it says here, professional podcaster Tony Groves had a great race starting 15th and finishing 9th with no incidents. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> professional podcaster. Love it. Thanks, Steve. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh it was a good race. Uh really good race, but I'll uh you know, I'm going to save it for uh for near the end when we when we talk about the the results a little more in depth, but yeah, a lot of fun. All right, cool. If I wasn't working, I'd be there with you. Well, let's jump right into uh stories. Uh Chris Scales, what do you got first? Uh first, we have a uh, a Facebook post on NASCAR NASCAR.com. Christopher Bell loves iRacing. And uh, so it looks like um, Christopher Bell was at the Hall of Fame recently and um, got to race with a bunch of fans. And I thought that was really cool. I actually didn't know that they used um, the simulator software at the Hall of Fame. I'm sure that's probably, somebody's probably mentioned that in the past, but I had had no idea. And uh, a really interesting quote from him also. He said, uh, I use iRacing as a tool. You get thrown into a real racing environment. It keeps you sharp. It keeps you racing. It keeps you in racing instances because it's real racing. And um, you kind of, kind of the he. I know he spends a decent amount of time on on racing. I think there's probably a few of us that have probably seen him on the sim. You know, at least in their practice a time or two. Um, I'm pretty sure Will had raced uh, either against him or in a practice. Um, I've been in a race with him before. before. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, rally so cross. A good oh was it yes that'd be awesome man I know he spends a good amount of time on the sim and it's just a, it's the same thing we hear um, constantly with these these pro drivers kind of echoing how they use the, the sim to help them prepare for real life racing but I mean I would have loved to have been at the Hall of Fame and actually got to get destroyed by him I, yeah I've never bumped into him on the sim yeah and this video is pretty cool because it's like he he shows up at the Hall of Fame and kind of surprises whoever is there. And uh, they all get in the sims and race each other on iRacing. And at the end, uh, at the video, it shows him talking to the other uh, iRacers that are standing around that he raced against. And he actually, you see him fist bump a guy, you know, oh, man, you're fast, he said, or something like that. And so it was kind of neat seeing the uh, 
uh, you know, the chat in between the real drivers as they chatted after the real, you know, the simulated race. And, uh, uh, you know, he fits in. He's just like one of us. I mean, if you look at him, he doesn't look like a NASCAR driver. He looks like, you know, a typical geek squad. He spends most of his time on the sim on dirt, doesn't he? And that usually what he doesn't, I haven't ever seen him on any, any actual NASCAR stuff. He does that no. in his own time. Dirt and rally, I think. But as usual, uh, Christopher Bell out there praising iRacing more than anybody. Um, and, and this was on uh, Fox uh, NASCAR or NASCAR Fox or whatever they call it. It's Fox's uh, Facebook page. So Now, uh, you know, near the beginning of the uh, the video, the the lady they had there also said the the winner of the the race they were having um, was going to get uh, four clubhouse passes. I'm not familiar. Do you know what a clubhouse pass is? That's something to do with the Charlotte Motor Speedway, I think, like a like a suite or something. Oh, Maybe that'd be cool. yeah. It's like an all day pass type thing. It is kind of cool also in the video to see the equipment they're using to race on at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So uh, it's pretty cool. And it looks like uh, Mike Conti just joined us. Thanks, Mike, for coming in. Hello. Good to be here. All right. Awesome. We just got started. Uh, We were just talking about uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, So let's jump in and talk to you since you joined. I appreciate you coming on today. we want to go through some questions with you, and uh, first of all, to learn about you know how you got involved in iRacing, and so when when did you initially hear about iRacing? Uh, how did you initially find out about it? And I know you've been on since uh, a, a long time, since two thousand nine. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Um, you know, kind of to start from the beginning, I started sim racing at five years old on NASCAR two thousand two with my dad. Uh, we work on setups together, and it was just it was a good time for us to bond and do something that we both enjoyed, which was you know, NASCAR racing. Um, did that for a couple of years on some pretty entry-level equipment, got off of the computer, moved to the PlayStation 2 and 3, really at that point just for fun. Um, there were, you know, eSports wasn't a thing, sim racing wasn't really that big back in the early 2000s, nothing like it is now. So I got off the Sims, went to the you know, NASCAR Thunders and the NASCAR 8s and NASCAR 9s. And I was watching practice one day, and you know my favorite driver uh, was Dale Jr. when he was racing. Um, and he was talking about how he used the simulation software to practice on the weekends, uh, brush up on tracks that he'd never been to before, road courses that he didn't have a lot of experience at. So I started researching, found out that the simulation was called iRacing, a bunch of videos on YouTube even way back then of, of iRacing and the really awesome racing that we've got on here. And uh, signed up in 2009, started on a laptop, took a month or two hiatus, and then uh, got an e-machine. It was like the most entry-level PC that we could find at Best Buy. Uh, my mom bought that for me, and uh, I've been racing on here ever since. But I, re- I remember it's been a long the e-machine. Time. You remember the e-machine, right? I used right? to have one, actually, yeah. So that thing that thing was, as you know, not suitable for iRacing. It was you know, barely anything. And you know, we upgraded that thing as much as we could. I think at one point we stuffed a NVIDIA 580 or 570 in it, which you know the graphics card was pretty much as long as the case. So we kind of had to push the case out a little bit, beat on it, and we shoved that graphics card in there. 
Uh, that thing got me all the way to the Pro Series in 2011, and then at that point we finally decided that it was best to build a custom PC. But you know, that's that's the thing. You can have some pretty basic equipment on here, and the equipment doesn't make you any faster. Yeah, it makes it more fun and makes it more enjoyable with all the eye candy and stuff. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that I started on some pretty basic stuff and, and made it far. Oh yeah, there's a lot of examples of uh, people who do well uh, that have basic stuff. I think Kenny Humpy comes to mind. Uh, yep. <laughs> but uh, okay, cool. Uh, let's talk about how often are you racing right now, um, and what series do you normally run? So at this point, uh, I can't really even tell you the last time I ran an official race. Uh, the thing is, with, with the NASCAR Peak Anti Free Series. We're practice, practicing constantly. Um, you know, races are every other Tuesday, so that gives us two weeks in between. And, you know, if we race on Tuesday, we probably take Wednesday and Thursday off following the race. And then come Friday, uh, you know, we're on at 100% running practice laps at whatever track is coming up next. So uh, the desire to race in an NIS or an A Open or even one of the fixed options on here, we just run so many laps of practice for the series to prepare. Um, I don't really race a lot anymore. I, I kid around. I probably practice uh, way more than I race, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, you get better because of it. You learn good habits. You become better with the setups, and that's super important on here to learn and understand what the car is doing. But you know, honestly, if I could race, I'd race on IS or maybe B fix or something. But it's it's definitely been a while since I've run some official laps. All right, like, are we talking daily practice and, like, a, are you an hour, two hours? I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, so um, I'll walk you through it. So it's at least uh, an hour to two uh, most nights in between races. Like I said, we, we take a couple days off. And then uh, Brandon Hastings, who is critical to Team Conti, uh, the Gale Force Alliance. Brandon actually works for uh, Penske. And he's the interior specialist and tire specialist on the 22 Xfinity car that's run by Brad and Joey and, and Cindric. So he's tied up on the weekends. So Friday, Saturday are usually our slower nights for testing. Uh, but you know, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, between the races, we're running at least two hours a night. Uh, we find anything more than two hours, we start to get burned out and we don't really get anywhere after that. So about two hours a night and that's running practice laps making changes to the car, um, running telemetry all the way through the session. So running telemetry, getting out of the car, looking at the graphs, looking at the charts, finding adjustments to make, making the adjustments in the garage, going out, uh, you know, rinse and repeat, if you will. So it's, it's more than just driving for us. I know there's a lot of guys out there that just drive the cars and don't really set them up. But myself, Brandon, Nick, uh, Nick Ottinger, we're all pretty handy around the garage, and I will say telemetry, although it takes a lot of time to interpret it and look through it, it's made us a better team because of the insight that it's given us into the setups in the cars. Right. Yeah, and looking at your stats, uh, your overall oval winning percentage, 34%, one of the highest numbers we've ever seen on this podcast uh, from special guests. But one thing that jumped out at me, Michael, is – in 2018, that number jumped to 51%, uh, on, and that's a big number. Uh, so what's the change? I mean, because the previous years, you were really pretty consistent with that number, and then it kind of went up the last couple. So I've actually got uh, some pretty good reasoning for that, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people out there. 
uh, especially the younger guys that are you know hungry and, and wanting to race every second they can. When I first got on here, and this has always been my mantra, I want to be able to race around people. I want to learn what other people do. I want to learn how I can pass people better, get runs set up, see what lines work. And when I first started on here, I seldom qualified. Um, I didn't like to because a lot of times I would qualify up front, maybe not necessarily the pole, but top five, whatever. And I really wouldn't be able to race around anybody. You know, I'd get the lead pretty early. I, I mean, I've always had quite a bit of pace. Um, so I'd end up just kind of running the race by myself. And I was like, well, I'm not really learning a lot doing that. So very early on, even when I was doing legends and late models back in 2010, early 2011, I wouldn't qualify. So maybe that put me 12th. That might put me 20th. And my goal was always to work up through the pack as you know, efficiently and as cleanly as possible uh, just to improve my racecraft and learn how to race around others. And when people message me on iRacing, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it may be, and they ask for advice on here, I always tell them, I tell them two things. Number one, learn how to set up the car because that'll get you far. You'll, you'll be a better driver because of it, and you'll have more opportunities with the bigger teams on here if you can work your way around the garage. That's number one. Number two is you've got you to have racecraft. Racecraft is going to get you far with teams. It's going to get you far in the eyes of your competitors. And it's going to make you a better competitor because of it. So what changed this year, uh, the way that the tires are right now, you know, I'm sure you guys have discussed it before on here, they fall off and they fall off big time. So you know, by the time I would get out of mid-pack and I'd start to kind of get to the front, as short as the races are, I'd have nothing left to compete for wins with. And although I like to race with people, I also like to win. So I started qualifying a lot more, and I, I think my average starting position dropped because of it. And then I saw the, the win percentage increase, too, uh, just because I was you know, starting up front and just getting a better position from the get-go. Yep, just uh, you know, keep that track position from the beginning. Exactly, right? exactly. I mean, track position, just like real life on iRacing, it's, it's key. Even though we don't have you know, major arrow push and arrow loose and we don't lose a ton of side force when we're side-by-side side like some of the guys do in real life, it's still important because you get to a track like Dover, uh, super, super hard to pass, especially once the tires wear out and the groove moves up the racetrack. It's, it's hard to pass anybody, even if you're several tenths a lap faster. Um, so you start up front, it gets you a better pit selection. You don't have to run the cars hard. You can save your stuff. I mean, you've got those guys trying to charge from the back. They run into the same problem that I did when I tried to do it. They just wouldn't have anything for the top guys when they'd get there. So, uh, you know, although, I still like to have fun and start in the back. You get to the you know the big races on on Tuesday nights and you see it right there. The people that qualify up front typically finish there. Yep. So let's let's talk about the task at hand. I mean, uh, it's a week out. You're going to the final. You're one of the four in the championship hunt. You're you're all tied at three thousand points. So whoever finishes ahead of the rest the other three wins. Uh, you're up against uh, you know Ryan. Michael Luza, who's been fast this year with four wins. You know, Ray Alfala, obviously the veteran. Uh, you know, Matt Busa might be called the dark horse is what I called mm -hmm. him last week. And then yourself. Uh, and what we called you is you're really hot at the moment. you got momentum. I mean, you won Darlington. You won Dover recently. Uh, tell us about that and tell us about what are you doing to win next week? 
we're just going to prepare like we have the last several weeks. It, it was it was pretty tough in the middle of the season. We we fell off and we fell off in a big way. Setups weren't there. Cars weren't really cooperating with us, and you know we were you know about a eighth to fifteenth place car every week. A turning point in the year was when more of us became involved with the data acquisition and the telemetry analysis. Once I got involved with it, Ottinger got more in tune with User it. Entered your channel. We were able to drive the car on a run, feel what it was doing, then look at the telemetry and see what the telemetry was showing and then make a more informed decision of what to do with the car because of that. When Hastings was pretty much making most of the major adjustments and we were just adjusting based off of feel, we got far and we did okay. But you know, Hastings wasn't driving the car, so he could only infer so much about what the car was doing, where it was doing it, and how bad it was. He was relying pretty much on our feedback and what the telemetry was showing him. So going into Homestead, uh, we've practiced almost every night, even right after uh, Dover. We didn't really take much time off. We went at it because of how important this race is, obviously. But you know, we're reading telemetry. We're looking at adjustments. We're organized, we're utilizing our OneDrive, our OneNote, Excel spreadsheets. We've watched past races. Um, Hastings already has his fuel book and his strategy guide pretty much set up. So I think we've got the cars in a good place. Hastings has the organization and the strategy in a good place. And I think if all goes well on Tuesday, uh, you know, if we can have the cautions fall right, if we can have the luck go our way, I think Abusa... And myself, I think we can, one of us can definitely get this championship this year. All right. Well, we've been watching all year and good luck to you. I mean, tell us just a little bit more about the team around you. I mean, you already named the big uh, people involved, Nick, obviously, and Brandon, you know, working on the car. Do you have a spotter or, I mean, and who who else is on the team you want to call out? Yeah, sure. Uh, The way we're structured uh, your crew chief is, is pretty much your spotter. He does uh, two jobs every Tuesday. So Brandon Hastings does the strategy for me, helps out with the setups throughout the week, and is a big part uh, in why the setups are so good right now. Uh, but he also uh, spots as well. Uh, Pat Millay uh, is Brian Schoenberg's spotter, my teammate. Brian's been in the series even longer than I have. Uh, so I've got him by my side. And then we've got Busa. Uh, Busa works with a couple different guys over on Gale Force, and then Ottinger and Matt Holden are paired up as well. So you know, we, we've, we're a pretty small team still. I mean, we, we have a lot of people, uh, but they're in the right places, and they all pull their weight, and we all work really well together. But uh, outside of the team, people that made this happen this year, Richmond Raceway, they jumped on board and they put together the Chaos Crew, uh, which is you know, a bunch of competitors from the NASCAR Peak Antifreeze Series, and they even took a couple guys out of the Pro Series last year. They hooked us up with some really cool partners and Forefront and Kicker Audio and a bunch of other really cool guys. And we've had a great year, great first year for them. Uh, and, you know, it's really cool to see a bunch of new names like Forefront, like Kicker, like uh, Looking for Larry, uh, Paul Heyman, all of these different people that have never been in the series before. Richmond and our partnership has, has brought them in, and it's uh, expanded uh, the outreach of the series. So it's been an exciting year. Uh, we've had our ups and downs. Obviously, you guys have seen that. But like you said, Mike, we're hot right now. They've got the momentum. We're hitting on all cylinders. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super pumped about next Tuesday. I'm going to have a lot of people watching from work. 
uh, from the Hendrick Automotive Group. We're going to have a bunch of people watching there. Friends and family are going to tune in. So I hope I can do them proud, and I hope I can bring home a second championship because it's been a tough year. So to come back and win this championship, it, it probably mean even more than the first one back in 2014. Yep, keep that momentum. Uh, I think that's you're definitely your your ace in the hole there for sure. All right, well, good luck. We'll be pulling for you. Um, we've been known to bring luck to drivers who come on the podcast. By the way, um, that's so, good. Yeah. I'll take it. It's funny how right. we bring it to other people, but not us. Well, there you go. Tell us about your hardware setup that you currently have. Uh, we talked about your early setup, but what are you running right now? How many monitors? Are you on VR? What's your pedals um, in your wheel? So the setup is pretty much the same from when we custom built it uh, back in 2011. So there's a lot of older stuff here. So uh, three monitors mounted to an Abutto, uh, which was part of a deal with Mike Main several years back when he was a sponsor. Mike Main, awesome guy main performance pc awesome company uh so he hooked me up with the abutto have three screens two of them are still original to 2011 the third actually went out a few few months ago so i've got a replacement on there but it's still used and and still pretty old stock g27 no adjustments no mods to that Uh, i'm utilizing the h pattern shifter Uh, i like to keep it as authentic as possible so h pattern shifter not paddles for the cup cars and then as far as the computer goes, same motherboard as what we had in it back in 2011, same Intel i5 processor. Uh, I've got a 780 NVIDIA graphics card in there, which is a few years old, a decent amount of memory and a decent hard drive too. So you know, obviously it's, it's way better than the old e-machine was back when I started and the laptop for that matter. But it's nothing fancy. It's not motion. It's not VR. It's not a, you know, a crazy expensive direct drive wheel or load cell pedals. All that stuff is great, and if you know, somebody gave it to me, I would gladly take it, but it's a cost-effective setup, and it produces speed, and I'm comfortable with it, so you know, I, I pretty much stuck with it. And barring any failures to any of the components, I don't, I don't see myself changing it anytime soon. It's been pretty good to me. Okay, cool. Uh, let's talk about the final question. Your most memorable iRacing moment, and I know the answer might change next week, but as of today... What is your most memorable iRacing moment? So it's actually, it, it's probably not going to sound like that big a deal to you guys and the people watching, but I think it was, it was 2011. I was going for pro that year. And the way you went for pro is you've got four seasons in iRacing, obviously. So back then, uh, iRacing took the top 12 from each of the first three seasons of the Class A Open series and they promoted those 36 guys into the Pro Series in the fall, and then he ran to get into uh, the Peak Series at the time. So I'm running for Pro the first season. It's available in 2011, doing pretty well points-wise. We get to Pocono, and it just so happens that Dale Jr. is actually running for Pro that season as well. Uh, He had fallen out after 2010, I guess it was, and he was trying to get back into it. So we roll around to Pocono, you know, car is pretty good. And at the time, I'm, uh, you know, 13, 14 years old. I mean, I'm really young at that point. So we get into the Pocono server. It's top split. I'm in there and Dale's in the same race. I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. This is why I signed up for this. We got to race around each other the whole race. Uh, green flag pit stops rolled around. I actually passed him getting on to pit road. 
got off a pit road in front of him and drove away from him at the end of the race. And, you know, even though I didn't really, you know, battle with him side by side for multiple laps or didn't even really talk to him after the race beside maybe a good job in the chat, it was just so cool at the time. And it'd still be cool today if I got to. It was just so cool to race against the same guy that I idolized in real life. And you don't get that opportunity with other sports. You know, you, you go on Madden and you're probably not going to find your favorite football player. Same thing with baseball or tennis, hockey, you know, your sport of choice. You're not going to go on that sport sim and, and race against the top guys in real life. That's the difference with, with iRacing. You can race against your favorite driver. You chase Briscoe, Ty Majeski, Allmendinger, um, William Byron, obviously big deal there. That's where he, he came from here. So to race against Dale, to beat him that early on in my career on iRacing, it was it was really a big moment, and I still remember it vividly to this day. All right. Well, that's a very good uh, memorable moment, and I hope you're able to go to the Homestead race and down in Florida and collect the winnings for winning next week. So good luck to you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, keep a keep a good thought. You know, as you guys all know, racing there's a lot of skill involved, but there's also a lot of luck. So we're gonna hope everything falls our way, and uh, we're we're hoping that either myself or Busa can seal the deal on Tuesday. Very good. All right, we're gonna jump uh, back to topics then, uh, and uh, we'll start going through topics. Uh, Greg, you're next. All right, got to get back into it here. Um, new track. So the new track, uh, I just got to get down here. So they were, uh, Greg Hill tweeted out um, the Chili Bowl for the 2019, uh, an image of on his computer of it, uh, them looking through the rendering of it, and uh, they started doing the 3D model of it, and it looks like, it's coming along really nicely. I got it up here on the screen, and uh, it looks really nice to uh, um, to see all the detail that's going to be in there. I wonder what it's going to sound like driving at that track because of the 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 acoustics and that uh, type of venue. What do you guys think of the image of it? It looks neat. I mean, the only thing that always comes to mind with me is. What's the blimp view going to look like? <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, but it's obviously a racetrack with a roof, you know? So, yeah, you're right. The sound, is it going to sound echoey, you know, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I, I need to get my, uh, my, uh, my dirt legs under me before that thing starts coming around. That sounds like a blast, man. Yeah, this is the Tulsa, Oklahoma Chili Bowl uh, track. And so they're working on it, so it's coming out. Uh, we saw a picture of it here today. Yeah, that race is on my bucket list for sure. That, and I've never been to to Bristol to see a cup race. But, man, yeah, if you're a race fan, yeah, try to make it to the Chili Bowl um, one year. I don't think you'll ever see anything like it. I've, I've seen those guys race um, live, just not, not indoors on a so small it just sounds it just sounds amazing there's a lot of exciting things coming to iRacing over the next several months you know yeah for yeah. sure yeah as much as we gripe and complain i mean god man yeah they just they keep they keep bringing it out you know over a decade one well, oops sorry chris oh no that's it 
Um, I was going to say maybe the other reason that, uh, you know, they are changing the, a new sound model. So maybe the new sound model comes with something like this to try and get the, uh, the right sounds for this type of venue. I was thinking the weather isn't going to be a factor because it's indoors. And so maybe they got to change how, uh, you know, obviously weather normally, you know, affects a track. It's not going to affect this one quite the same way. Uh, humidity, maybe? It probably would be just humidity and, and maybe the track state, right? Right. All right, cool. Yeah, it's a first indoor track that I know of that's... Uh, being worked on all right tony groves what do you got next chase briscoe yeah yeah um is uh up on a twitter uh, oh actually i'm sorry we missed one it was the video from dover that's the peak peak one from dover oh yeah, the peak video from Dover. Yeah, yeah, they they done it up kind of like a, a a remix style, and uh, you know, I, I particularly like the the video, uh, you know, the video editing and stuff like um, that they they put in this made it look like extremely professional, kind of like what you'd see the uh, um, you know the NASCAR in in fifteen they they throw that up on the NASCAR site every week, um, like a highlights video or. A- yeah, yeah. Like radioactive, now, where they do the radio stuff. Right, right. Now, um, yeah, music aside, I didn't really care for the music, but you know, whatever that that was, uh, um, you know, minor. Um, but what I would really, really like, I think it would add so much, is to have some of you know the the in car radio from from the drivers as they're going around. You can hear some of the stuff, kind of like what they kind of emulate what. Um, what they put up on the NASCAR site for the for the real races. Yeah, the the video quality, like you said, is top notch as far as editing and the way it looks and the the cameras, uh, angles, and the eye candy. I mean, obviously this guy's got a monster computer. He's got everything turned on. I mean, it looks really really good. I was very impressed. And what I was thinking is, is these guys could edit anything and make it look good because they're the, that's the kind of editors we're talking about. I mean, they, they really are top quality and uh, they make this racing action look really interesting and fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you're, you're watching it and you're, you know, you're getting excited. Well, at least I was getting excited watching it and um yeah, they just keep hammering it, keep getting better and better all the time. It's awesome. Yeah, and of course, uh, this is the Dover race where uh, Michael Conti wins, and you can see him doing his donut uh, donuts and spinouts uh, and burnouts there at the end. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, he he fell off the podcast already. So I like uh, I like how they have. They've overlapped the uh, broadcast on the video, too. Yeah, and there was a rack in the middle, and they go into slow motion, you know, and kind of show it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I really liked it. You know, that's the kind of stuff that really can be like a commercial for iRacing. Uh, Now, how do we get it off of YouTube and get it into people's faces that don't do iRacing? That's what they need to do. 
Well, and the way that they got it done is it looks so real anyway, so you could you can use it anywhere, and people would think it may be real. It'd be hard to, yeah, I mean, when you see the crowd, though, the crowd obviously looks pretty bad with the cardboard, you know, single uh, dimension kind of look to them. They really need to clean that up. I'd rather them focus somewhere else. If they put stuff on that crowd, it's going to take out more stuff on the uh, graphics-wise. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Chris, you got Chase Briscoe. Yeah, yep, for real this time. <laughs> but um, yes, we had a, a video uh, iRacing interviewed Chase Briscoe about his uh, win at the Roval and um, how he had kind of used iRacing to prepare for it. And, you know, obviously with this interview being done by iRacing, he, he talks up iRacing a bit, but um, he always does. I mean, it's not just in this. He, 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 I've heard this, you know, a a half a dozen times from him about how much uh, iRacing has helped him prepare for a race. This one in particular, I mean, he iRacing got those guys the track. They spent the time practicing on it, and I he attributes iRacing as a, a good part of um, why he got that win. And, I, and why wouldn't it be? I mean, you, you hear that the you hear Dell Jr. say tell say that the the simulators in the shops you know aren't as good as what iRacing is, and so you have a handful of drivers that are on iRacing getting uh, you know, some track time ahead of all these other guys on a brand new track, and you know, he has a win to show for it. It was There is a, a comment on this video. I'm not sure who from iRacing did this interview. I've, I've never heard this guy's voice before, but he uh, there's a guy that commented that he sounds a bit like... Um, Bill Murray's character from Caddyshack, and he absolutely does. I, I hope this guy does more interviews. <laughs> That's funny. You heard him before, Mike? I, I said this is a. I don't know that I've ever heard that particular guy, and I don't think they mentioned anywhere who it was. But it's like it says trackside. It's an audio recording. It's like somebody got an interview for the race, like on a cell phone or something, is what it sounds like. But um, anyway, you know. Obviously, Chase Briscoe won the, the race at the Charlotte Roval, and he was talking a little bit about the practice and the limited practice that they had there and that they didn't have a test with the Xfinity guys. And so he was doing the iRacing, and he said it was just a huge advantage for him because when they did get on track, he knew what to expect when the other guys didn't, and it gave him a really you know leg up. All right, I'm going to take the next one. This is an email from Rick Motek, which is a uh, company out of uh, Miami Lakes, Florida. And they're hosting a hot lap challenge, uh, open house, October 17th in the evening. And um, basically, they're inviting everybody to their facility uh, to run some uh, simulator laps and win some prizes and this kind of thing. And Boy, if you're in the area, that's uh, something pretty cool to check out. In fact, we have a teammate that lives near here, um, J Justin Laird. Disconnected from your and uh, I was thinking that I, last time Justin said he was going to go to this, but uh, they do this once a year, I think. I think yeah, uh, late Bobby's now. not far from there, too. Yeah, yeah it was yesterday. Oh, was it yesterday? Okay. Yep. 
Yeah, yep. man, I wish we could give them the heads up. Yeah, I think we, they, they do look pretty close to there. Okay. Well, then I'll move on to the next one. I'll take it as well. I found this uh, great forum post that tells you how to make a dark mode on the iRacing forums. So if you know if you go on the iRacing forums, it's all white. Everything is white. And uh, if you like the dark mode, there's actually a way to do it. This guy, Julian Ribolo from France, posted up uh, how to get it. You basically have to install a plugin for Google Chrome or Firefox or Opera. It's called the Stylus plugin. And then you click on this other link to get the theme, the dark mode theme. And so I've done it, and guess what? My forums are dark. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that dark mode. Everybody's adding it to their stuff now, and I like it. <laughs> it just doesn't hurt your eyes as much, I guess, with all of it. It seems like everything has always just been white and blinding, and everybody's switching to these these grayer screens. And I'm going to have to do this. So you didn't notice any – have you raced with it? Man, um, I've had my forum set up like that for like two years now. You guys really? know about that? No, I had no idea. This is actually a pretty old it, post. I found it somehow, though. The only problem I've had is that some of the stuff under like ignore user and stuff doesn't show up. But I've had that for, I think I even posted in there back in the beginning. I always yeah, just wear uh, my sunglasses. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this post was from over a year ago, the original post, but... Anyway, I found found it for the first time, and I love it. So if you want to find it, search the forums for gray theme, two words, and you'll find it. All right, Greg, you're next. Uh, schedule for the Pro Series. So this would be for the qualifying series, would it not? I'm just looking at this right now. Well, they call it the um, Pro Series. It's the preliminary to the peak. It's going to be Xfinity. Okay, so they've got uh, so they're using the Xfinity car. So this was after the uh, the other road to pro, right? Yeah, yeah, that we were using the road pro. So I've got it up on the screen here, um, but uh, it shows the schedule for starting in November, uh, November seventh. Looks like they're Wednesday night at it's two o'clock Greenwich Mean Time. So what what is that? Um, Our time. Probably 9 p.m. Eastern, like normal. 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, um, so it starts on November 7th um, and goes well, that would every make it Tuesday, right? Well, it's showing. Well, it's got two different dates here. It's got November 6th and then November 7th. If you look at the other side, so I don't know why. Oh, okay, that's why stupid, it's Tuesday. Uh, okay, it's the Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah. Okay, I see now. So it'll be Tuesday our time. Wednesday their time right yeah there we go um, so there's an eight races it looks like uh, they're gonna start at Daytona go to Atlanta then Richmond Dover Charlotte Lucas Oil Raceway Darlington and then finishing it up at Homestead in January the end of January so it looks like it's every it's week? Tuesday nights but they every skip week up, they skip Christmas and all that. Oh, okay, yeah, it does. It does have a gap. It looks like a two-week gap. They're off for two weeks in between Christmas and the New Year. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of uh, them using the Xfinity car to uh, move on? I don't know. I don't like the 
feeder system that they came up with that exists outside of the official series really that road to pro and truck was real popular in the beginning of the year when it started and then a lot of people fell off and then only a few people stayed on and those people are now running this series and they're just racing themselves i guess for the same spots i don't know how many of them there are but i don't know it's going to be interesting i mean we're going to get the right people going to peak i'm not sure well and i I was uh, some of the nights that I was able to run it. I really enjoyed those Road to the Pro um, races, but I just had, you know, with work and stuff, I couldn't run anymore. And I guess when I first joined the team this year, you guys were pretty fired up running those every week that they were on. Yeah, they're open to the general public. Uh, those are the Road to Pro is open to everybody. This one, the NASCAR Pro Series, is a closed series that only the people invited can run, and they had to be finish in the you know the top of the road to pro so basically gate gathering points off the highest high rating strength of field races well again they only ran on tuesdays so there was only one race a week but it would still be the top split is where they're taking all the best points from yeah you still had to have the i rating yeah well it was every other tuesday too i think that's kind of why i fell off they um Cause it was ops, yeah, it was ops of the peak um, races, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of forgot and just fell off of it. I actually kind of liked the way they, they set it up, going from the trucks to expanding and stuff. I just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, it, it just didn't seem, it seems like a lot of people did the same thing. Like, they, they raced a lot at the beginning and then just kind of fell off. Hey, you I'm really got to be able to dedicate that time for yeah. that, you know? Yeah, and definitely set you up some reminders and stuff. I think it was... I think it was basically that every two week thing that kind of messed me up. I'm usually I'm pretty consistent with racing on the nights that I want to race, but and those trucks and they were fun. They were so much fun to race those road to pro races. I just, just kind of forgot about it. Just kind of fell off. And uh, we don't even at this point they're not officially going to be broadcasted. And so there's some discussion on the forums about are they going to broadcast this? Is somebody going to start doing it? You know the goodness of their heart or anything like that and. At this point, nobody's really said that they're going to broadcast it. But anyway, Tony, what's next? We got a poll. We do. I think it's been a week or two since we've talked about a poll. So, you know, now it's time. Um, well, somebody on the on the forums, and if I had the link open, um, well, they're they're wondering uh, who all is using motion rigs, and uh, it's Alexander Asner. That's uh, you know, asking a question. He's just curious. Who's all using them? Um, and <laughs> to me, it wasn't all that surprising. Um, but only about 13% out of 284 votes um, said, yes, they're they're using motion rigs. Everyone else is, um, you know, stationary one way or the other. Um, there's a couple of pretty funny comments, you know, guys. The, the rolling office chairs, does that count as a motion rig? Um, if that did, I think that number would be a, certainly a lot higher. <laughs> That's a high number. I thought 13%. I was expecting lower than that. Like under, like I was expecting maybe 5%. Well, the one thing with this is it's a hobby. So a lot of people will invest a lot of money into it because it's of, you know, being a hobby. Like I had a, if you listen, when we were talking there with Conti, he had a low budget set up to start off with and you know when he wanted when he got serious about it he he upgraded and he's got a, 
you know, a good setup now. It's the same with me. When I first started, I had low budget. But when I came back, it's, you know, I wanted more top-of-the-line stuff when I came back into the hobby. I didn't want to go back to what it is. So maybe a lot more people are investing because motion rigs are a lot more easy to come by nowadays too, right? Like there's so many of them on the market. Well, Conti's still low budget from what he was saying about his rig. So he kind of proved that you don't need this stuff. But um, I, yeah, I was kind of, I'm with Mike. I was kind of surprised that it was that high. I think there's probably some trolls on here that were saying they have when they don't. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I would expect something a lot lower too. But just like Greg said, I mean, I, if I had the money, I'd have no problem spending it because just like you said, it's a hobby. And as much time as I spend on here, that's kind of after you look at it too. If you if you spend hundreds of hours a year, a year on something and you take that and divide it by how much you spend on it, is it worth it? And so it, it would be. It's just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really, I really don't think that many people have have these expensive rigs. But well, I, who knows? I, there, and there's also those guys that um, we see a lot of uh, short track racers on the sim. So if you're, I mean, that costs way more money than a, a motion rig. So you know, if you retire from that, you know, what's spending, you know, four grand on your iRacing setup? If you're a motion manufacturer and you're trying to figure out what what can the market bear, you know, remember we heard a number recently of I think seventy thousand active iRacers. And so 13% of that's about 10,000. And so that's 10,000 people that have motion rigs already. And then how many people are considering motion rigs on top of that? It's got to be another 13%, you know. And so there's a huge potential here for these manufacturers, actually. Um, it looks like a nice market. They need to get... They need to get because some of them are still way priced out of a range that's you know acceptable for someone to to first purchase on uh, on doing something like that, especially without being able to you know you can't even you know what to expect from a wheel and pedals and stuff like that like for you know four hundred to a thousand dollars, but if you got like you're spending like four grand, you got no way of testing a motion rig unless they have them set up at like these sim expos and things like that. Pretty cool. Okay, uh, Chris, you're up next. Uh, Sim Racing Expo highlights. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Sim Racing Expo, that's where you could have went and tested out one of these rigs. But um, they uh, what does ADAC stand for? So ADAC Sim Racing Expo. I don't know. Oh. I think that might be a sponsor name. To tell you the truth, I was trying to figure that out too. Yeah, well, that's their their Facebook page. That's ADAC Sim Racing Expo. Sounds stands yeah, guess, for something. Yeah, it must have just been. Yeah, I'm guessing a sponsor, and this Facebook page was set up specifically for the expo. But uh, it's definitely worth checking out the page because um, they did make a nice little three minute video that kind of catches it up on and what was going on with the racing uh, that was going on, and, yeah, and I, so it really is a highlight of the race uh, that occurred there. Yeah, and I I kind of went through their back through their the page a little bit to try to find um, some other videos, and there are some other ones that kind of show more of the the show floor show floor, and that's kind of what I was interested in. I don't really follow most of these guys that were um, running those races. I want to see more of what the the show showroom looked like, and see some more of those um, uh, the videos of the AI, you know, going off. That's more interesting to me but it's, it's a really cool if you i mean obviously most of us couldn't be there but it's definitely worth checking out that facebook page so you can kind of see what you missed and 
maybe start saving up for the airline tickets next year. <laughs> what was interesting to me is watching the actual competition uh, of the venue. I mean, you got these guys in these motion rigs uh, with triples racing each other. And then you have an audience of like, probably I would say three or 400 people sitting behind them, kind of watching, watching them race. They can see on a big screen up above them. They can watch the action up there, but they can also see them sitting in the actual simulator, you know, motion cockpits. And uh, at the end of the race, whoever's, you know, in the lead, their racing teammates would like come up behind the simulator and get ready to cheer. And as he crosses the checkered flag, they start yelling and jumping up and down. And, you know, it's kind of a neat atmosphere that, you know, usually a simulated race is a very lonely aspect. You're in a room by yourself and physically there's no other people around you. This is a much different atmosphere. And that's really what uh, intrigued me about the video. Yeah, you'll see that at some of the other the esports, and um, you, you see some you know similar videos where you get whole teams of guys and an audience, and I think that's what makes um it really make a kind of get iRacing and, and sim racing um into that that esports you know, deal. But the problem I see with it, like I don't know how it, you you can set up a computer and a controller most of these other games but it doesn't seem real feasible if you want to have you know a big competition and have you know more than a handful of these motion rigs i think they'd have to if you're going to have um some larger events it seems like they'd have to dial back the equipment a little bit but they could go to uh you know they could go to a simple you know play seats and stuff like that that wouldn't cost very much to do those kind of things they don't need motion to race there yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome to see something like that because yeah, these these events where you can um, watch all these guys live is is way more entertaining than you know just watching uh, just a video of the race you know, and listen to the broadcasters. A lot more right. mo- emotion in it. Yeah, pretty cool. Check that out. Uh, okay, Greg, what's next? The new world record. So it looks like Lando Norris was uh, taking. Uh, on Belle Isle in the Ferrari GTE, and uh, he set uh, a new world record lap time. Um, do we actually have the time somewhere? No, I post the video up uh, of it though. And, okay, uh, I'm watching. I got the video up here, but man, it's you know, I have yet to race on that track, but it looks like a fun track to try and take around in that on those cars. It's the second time he's uh, posted a, a world record that I know of uh, at a track. So he's obviously a Formula One driver. So Yeah, because he's going to be, I think next year is his first year in Formula One. All right. Tony, what's next? Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is a really uh, interesting article. So... Um, apparently, the, the the president of the German Motorsport Association has recently established sim racing as an official motorsport discipline, and they'll offer support to competitive sim racing in hopes of bridging the gap between traditional and esports competition. Um, I guess it just got real. <laughs> um, that, that in was Germany, huge. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, they're, they're really uh, seeing the value, um, especially in the uh, like education department of, of using the Sims. I mean, it's something we've been seeing for a long time and, you know, continually discuss. Um, but it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of like the official stamp, um, at least for this part of it, um, trying to bring, bring the, the, the two worlds together. Yeah, there's not a lot of information here, but it did make uh, worldwide headlines. And uh, but it doesn't have a lot of information besides what you just said. So uh, we'll have to get more about what that really means. How do we get some of that cool stuff over here? Why is all this stuff in Germany? <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't remember the last time I raced against anybody German on the sim. Why are they getting all this cool stuff? I actually got a, a guy today did a shout out from Germany on my uh, race this afternoon. He uh, started following me on Twitch and he was from Germany and he was in the chat and everything. So I think over there in Europe, they take their motorsports really, really seriously and it's and they put a lot of funding into it. Whereas, you know, we only have a couple a couple disciplines here, whereas over in Europe, they have all kinds of different things that they race and they they put a lot of money into it. Yeah, that's a good point, too. The reason I'm probably not bumping into many Germans is because I'm racing mostly NASCAR stuff. Right. <laughs> if, you're, yeah, if you're doing mostly stock car racing, you're not going to um, race against a whole lot of Europeans. Well, okay. I mean, if, if you look at it this way, I mean, technically, they're already doing it over here. It's just, you know, there hasn't been an article with, like, an official stamp put on it saying, yes, this is what we're doing. Um, but they, but they, they really are doing it. I mean. Um, the Roval, for instance, we were just talking about it, um, using that as as the learning tool to be able to go race the Roval, and uh, you know we've got proven results um, from Chase Briscoe. Uh, so it is happening, kind of, and I gotta imagine it's happening in you know other countries as well. Um, but we're seeing it, and it's just becoming more and more real. Yep. Okay, I got the next one. Uh, this is some good advice for triples, if you're thinking about triples. Uh, of course, by none other than David Tucker from iRacing uh, staff. I'm going to read a couple quotes from him. He says, with triples, you want all the panels to be identical or the images won't line up properly. And you should always want to get as square of a monitor as possible or you will lose out on your vertical view so skip the ultra wides, and of course that's you know prompted a discussion in the forums because people are confused. You know, one guy's like, "Wait a minute, I'm going to buy three ultra wide monitors for my three triples," and you're saying that's a bad idea, and he's saying, "Yes, it is a bad idea." Anyway, he goes on to say, "Anyway, the math side of it is that once you hit 180 degrees of total horizontal." FOV that locks each monitor to 60 degrees of horizontal FOV and then the vertical FOV then becomes what the aspect ratio of that monitor is. So a 4x3 monitor will have a 45 degree vertical FOV while a normal 16x9 monitor only has 34 degrees vertical. If you went to an ultra wide 21x9 monitor you get a vertical FOV of only 26 degrees. And so every time you go to a wider monitor in a triple situation, 
you're basically lowering your chance of seeing the dash. You're getting a much narrower view vertically. Now, if you're on a single monitor, it's just the opposite. A wide monitor on a single monitor setup is actually advantage is an advantage because that's going to give you as much FOV as you can get. It's not ever going to be 180, but if because it's a single monitor, and so an ultra wide on a single monitor setup actually makes sense, but it absolutely does not make sense on a triple monitor. I hope that makes sense. It's good. It's good knowledge to know though, because a lot of people. You know, there's still people investing and adding triples and, you know, the best way to go about it. And everybody's got an opinion on what the best one to go. And if this is someone from the staff saying this is the easiest way to get it to look the way you want, you know, I would take it as like the Bible kind of thing. Well, four by threes are ideal, but you can't buy them anymore. Those are from the past. Okay. 16 by nine is what's popular and available today to on every monitor you buy is almost 16 by nine. And then obviously 21 by 9 is the ultra wide. So you just go with the normal monitors. That's what the, the answer is. Don't go with ultra wide if you're doing triples. All right, Chris, you're next. Right. Am I crazy? It says. Yeah. And next we have a, a forum post from Derek Wildash. Um, basically, what he has done is he decided when he was building his rig, he wants it to feel. Like his car, his 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 regular daily driver. That's what he's you know that's what he's comfortable driving. He just wants to uh, duplicate that for his sim racing, and so he just took a bunch of pieces of scrap plywood uh, and screwed them together in the car, you know, just like a, it was a, a a version, basically a wooden version of his his legs and it, basically his lower body, his um, butt to his his uh, feet, and that gives him a template. For how he wants his how he wants his rig to turn out. Now, I've actually I thought about this. You know that if you're if you're used to driving, why not you know have your rig as similar as you can to what you're used to sitting in in real life? But I don't think I've ever seen anybody actually attempt this. <laughs> I'm curious. I hope he keeps posting. I'm curious to see how his actual rig ends up turning out now that he has these measurements. Uh, yeah, this is interesting, uh, for sure. He basically, you know, built, like you said, a cutout of his body that would, that how it fits in his real car, and it shows it fit perfectly in the real car, like his knee is up under the dash, and how far back his back is to the back of the seat, and how his arm reaches up to the, you know, steering wheel, and the distance to the steering wheel and all that is measured by this contraption that he built. Then he pulls it out of the car, and now he's going to build build a sim rig around that. The one thing that I know about that is that I do not drive my personal vehicle like I sit in the race car. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. I would have Good to point. agree because I don't drive my transport truck like I drive my car, and I don't drive my, my racing rig the same way I drive my car. So it's it depends, I guess, it's all on comfort, right? Maybe this guy feels that he's comfortable driving like that. Yep, yeah, driver preference. And we say it all the time. If you drive your car like you race it, then it should work out pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope he keeps posting. I want, I'm curious to see how this turns out. The one right, thing great. that... Oh, I was going to just comment one. The one thing that's going to 
be interesting about it though he's gonna have to have the seat a lot higher than you normally would sit in a normal rig because in a car you're up a little bit higher with standing over the pedals where in most rigs your legs are extended out further flatter on the ground so i don't know what that's going to look like when he actually has to build it so mine was like that because i like the steering wheel really 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 low like almost in my lap so i had to make an under desk uh setup for my steering wheel so that the steering wheel would be low and then i put my monitors up so that the middle or the bottom of the monitor is at my eye level it's actually pretty cool the way i have it set up yeah i'll have to send you a photo of it cool all right greg what's next uh so we're going back to the gofundme page for uh sorry i'm just trying to get it open here um oh yeah scott kolovac scott kolovac yeah sorry from KMA Racing. I mean, you know him better. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, uh, so basically he's still uh, recovering. I did check his Facebook page uh, earlier today to see if there's any update. No update since last week. Uh, he just got home about seven days ago. He had major open-heart surgery, and uh, and he's trying to quit smoking, too, on, on top of that. And he's basically needing help with bills, and he's so he is desperately looking for assistance. So if you can help out Scott Kolovec from KMA Racing League, uh, please check out his GoFundMe page. Uh, if you go to GoFundMe.com and search the words, Need Financial Help Due to Surgery, you will find the right one. All right, let's go to hardware software. Tony, uh, you got uh, an old... Uh, well, this is these are kind of... Uh, company reviews just to remind people of some various uh, hardware companies out there so what's the first one yeah first one up is uh leo bodner dot com i'm sure just about every iRacer's racers heard of leo bodner um it's more specifically for their uh for the cables you know everybody needs a bodner cable right um be honest with you i don't know a whole lot more <laughs> much more about this uh about this company, but they've got just about anything you would need to um, for your for your wheels, pedals, um, parts. Yeah, parts. Thank you. Right, like put if you need a potentiometer you know, for your wheel, or you know you're trying to repair it, he has those for sale. If you need a replacement cabling, he has that for sale. Uh, he's got all kinds of different uh simulator related parts and pieces and so i personally don't try to repair stuff like that so i've never had to buy anything from leo but as you stated tony he is a a well-known name in the industry he's been around forever and has always provided these kind of parts for uh several years yeah well i and I, and I mentioned the cable because if you know if there's anybody listening that doesn't know um you got a logitech uh, base and you want to upgrade your um, upgrade your pedals um, you, you think that's how it works maybe it's the other way around I don't know uh, but you got to have the cable to, to make it it'd give properly. you a better performance by replacing the cable is what you're trying to say I think it isn't it more it gives it more data because I think Mike Morley was looking into this for his g29 yeah, it's something like it gives it more sp- uh, bandwidth or something. 
and then it, that makes it more accurate if you were able to replace it with this potential cable. Well, I, I, this is this was what like I was talking with Mike. He was he was trying to figure out what the difference between the information that's sent from uh, like my Fanatic pedals are compared to his um, Logitech pedals. And I said, when you calibrate it, look at how many, uh, I think it's kilobyte, whatever, kilobytes um, of information. It goes from zero to whatever. And his was like zero to, I think it's 250 or 400. And then like on my Fanatics, it's zero to 4,095. So it's, you know, I got 4,095 increments between zero or from wide open to non. And that's the difference between these things. I think those cables give more information on that point. Right. Yeah, so that's leobodnar.com. All right, Chris, what's the next one? Uh, next, we have a new headset from Vive, uh, the new Vive Pro. I haven't been um, keeping up with this since they've uh, talked about it a few months ago, but I believe it's already out um, for the, the low, low price of $800. So it is not a cheap headset and probably... A little bit of an overkill for iRacing, except for a couple of um, big improvements. Um, the ergonomics has been improved, and uh, I'm losing the spot where I saw it. But I think I said around a 25% increase in the the actual area where the um, the headset touches your face, and so that's a that's a big deal if you're sitting around racing for a couple hours. And um, another another pretty good significant increase is the resolution. 2880 by 1600. Uh, that's that's insane, and uh, it's a uh, looks like a uh, 78% pixel increase over the the previous version. Anybody anybody gonna run out and buy one of these things? Right now, I don't think I would buy VR. I mean, after Will and the experience he had recently, and he kind of sold out on it, and I don't know if if you're buying it. Right now, I would definitely look at this over the regular, you know, uh, goggles that are available out there because of that resolution. I mean, that's usually the biggest complaint. Yeah, I wonder if uh, iRacing can even take advantage of a resolution that high. Well, I haven't seen uh, specifics of people using this yet in iRacing, like on the forums. But uh, anyway, yeah, 800 bucks, so... Yeah, so 2880 by 60. I'm assuming that's um, 1440 by... Um, per eye. Yeah, right? per eye, yeah. But yeah, that's a, man, that is sharp. And everything it appears, it's wireless. I mean, you don't, you're not plugging in an HDMI to it. So I don't know how that works, but... It needs a wireless adapter. Okay. It does say down at the bo bottom, it says headset cable attached. And so maybe it does have a cable, they just don't show it. Because it says the Vive Pro HMD does not include controller, base stations, or Vive wireless adapter. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, Greg, you want to take uh, the next one? I think it was main performance. Yeah, we jumped one past here, so main performance. Um, looks like Michael Main's uh, offering a $100 promo code for iRacing members looking for VR-ready PCs. 
So um, you can head over to main performance and uh, I guess if you're looking at building a PC dedicated for VR, uh, they'll give you, you got a $100 promo code here to get off on building your own PC. So um, I don't know, I know Mike, you're talking about uh, buying a PC. Are you looking at getting someone to build it or are you going to build it yourself? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm really on the fence on that. There's some really good pricing out there by some certain people that uh, is very attractive, and it's almost the same as if I built it myself, so why not let somebody else build it for the same price? So I'm thinking about that. Uh, but yeah, this is not a bad you know promo if you're looking to buy a computer from Michael Bain. The promo code is RTX2000 at MainPerformancePC.com. I um this is actually where I bought my computer from through Michael. And I will say this, if you're just looking, if you're pretty much computer um lacking in knowledge like I was, you're not gonna hurt yourself by going through this gentleman. He um he'll answer any questions you have. I actually called him up one night late at night and he answered the phone right away and was able to help me out with some questions that I have and everything was always quick and, and fast, so I highly recommend him. He is going to be building the computers for my company of 180-something people. Oh, nice. Like a business order, huh? Yep, we made a business order with them. That's cool. awesome, because that's good yeah, for business. There you go. Yeah, I bought my pedals from Michael Main and my cockpit. So um, I bought both of my huge SIM purchases from this gentleman as well. He definitely can be trusted. So um, check it out. We go Let's- through computers every three years, so... Right, we're going to skip the rest of hardware in the interest of time. Let's get to results. Uh, let's finish up uh, Talladega. Thursday fixed. I ran P11. Ran top five all day, and then I pitted under green. The caution came right out after I had pitted. I restarted P24. Got clear back up to P11, uh, but that was it. I ran out of time. And so, uh, yuck. Greg, you had a good result. P4. Yeah, it was a pretty uneventful race. I stayed up front. I qualified, I think, fourth, and I finished fourth. Um, but uh, I got on pit road really good on the last pit stop with uh, the leaders and uh, ended up coming out as a four-car pack. And I was the back of it. I was just riding around. They were saving fuel because um, it was running. Kind of, It kind of re- resembled the actual life Talladega race where we're, we were – the, the leader was close on fuel and everybody behind him was saving. And then what we saved so much by the end, we got there uh, to the end. I know the cars that were behind us um, were a bunch of lap cars that were catching us. And I had a strategy with the guy that was in third place. He was personally messaging me saying, all right, we're going to go on this lap. So I said, I'll go with you. And as soon as we pulled out the lap cars that were behind us, didn't go with us. They decided to race us and, shuffled me and him back to the back of like six lap cars and i think he was really mad about it i was just you know i was going to finish fourth or i was going to finish second or whatever so i'll take the fourth and go on from there all right uh friday open tony rochette got a p17 chris p22 and tony p7 yep my my race was uh well, it, it was a race. I mean, it's, it's it's bottom split. I just I stayed at the back uh, pretty much the whole race. Um, 
and uh, just I, I kept it clean. I mean, the the big takeaway, like P7, is is you know it's not a bad finish. Take top ten any day of the week, um, but I had zero incident points that whole race. I don't know if that's ever happened for me at a Talladega. Well, that's a smart move. It worked out. Chris, uh, you didn't work out for you. You got in the big one. Yeah, yeah. And it was. It kind of sucked. We had a pretty clean race up till thirty to go, and I, I think we we only had a couple of cautions before that, and it was just um, guys getting spun off um, on their own, maybe a couple of cars, but pretty clean till the end. And yeah, and then we had it. Man, we probably must have been a third of the field that got wiped out in that, and just yeah, nowhere to go. Just Talladega. All right, uh, Saturday fix. Tony Rochette got a P3, stayed out uh, out of the way, and found himself on the last restart fifth, made it up to third. Uh, Sunday open, Chris, you got a P9. Uh, Tony, P4. To- uh, Tony Rochette, P16. Yeah, I, I mean, that we finally, I finally got in a race that had a, a good number of teammates in it at Talladega. It was me, Tony Rochette, Brandon Newhouse, Chris Perez. And all the other guys, actually, I think uh, Tony even got the pole that race, if I remember right. Um, but I kind of played the safe strategy, uh, riding the back, and everybody else wanted to kind of race for it. And <laughs> they all they all came back to help me. They I lost the lost the draft, and they came back to help me um, get it back. And we did, and we ran around, but the race was, it was a clean race, and we just couldn't catch back up because I, I played the wrong strategy, <laughs> and then they made the mistake of helping me out. <laughs> All right, and then, Tony, you almost had a, you were in position to win, it looks like. No, no, I, I, I wasn't in position to win. Um, the, the guy in first place, he was, he was gone, he was, oh. uh, yeah, he was, uh, I guess some of the, um, the lapped lapped guys were uh, keeping him way ahead of us, but um, I I was uh, you know nicely in third at the end and you know one lap to go. I'm right behind second place. I go to make a move and uh, I thought I might have got help from fourth to you know maybe he could push me into second place, but he snuck back in and took my my third place spot. But uh, overall, I mean, hey, that's a good race, right? Yep, good run. I finished out the week Sunday fix, P21. I got taken out, lap 44. What a horrible, horrible week for me at Talladega. I'm very disappointed. Uh, Moving on to Kansas. Uh, Yesterday, P16. I actually ran top 10 all day. It was around P6 on the final restart when the leader spun his tires and took out most of the pack. I got the real raw end of the deal on it, uh, but was happy with how I ran. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P12. Uh, and then last night, wrecked out again. Uh, lost a lap from passing under yellow uh, after running top five. In fact, Mike Morley, teammate, uh, and, and myself were, were running up near the front. Uh, who else was running with us today? Tyler, Tyler was last oh, night, Tyler, too. Yeah, Tyler Conroy. And at one point, we were running first, second, and fourth. And that's when I got a uh, passing under yellow somehow. Uh, I ended up getting a lucky dog, but then that put me in the back. And as I come back up through there, I hit a spinner, or I went to miss a spinner and hit the inside wall, and it killed my day. Uh, 
All right, and then Tony, you got P13, Chris P11. Yep, that P13. I was so I was so disappointed. I mean, I got everything I could with the situations I found myself in throughout the race, but um, you know, <laughs> nice cool track. Morley had just a killer setup for us this week. Um, especially on that on the on a colder track. Uh, I ended up getting taken out by the same get, same guy twice, and he almost got me a third time, but I I saw it, and <laughs> you know I, I was trying my hardest just to not be around that guy, and it seemed like every restart because I uh, I was a couple laps down, he was always in front of me. I mean I was usually around him within a couple of laps, but man, I just thinking if if I could have stayed out on that, been able to stay on the lead lap you know, with a clean car. Um, I mean, I had zero tape, my car was beat up and I was still, you know, after about four or five laps, I was passing guys like, like it was nothing. Um, just a bummer the way, the way the beginning of the race kind of played out for me, but oh well. Yeah. 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 And my, uh, my P11 was, it was another, it was pretty disappointing. Kind of same as Tony's. We, we had a terrible race. We, we could not run, uh, probably more than three to five laps. It seemed like before we had a caution, it was just one after another. And yeah, the car was all all beat up by the end of the race, and was still pretty quick. I mean, um, Morley has been putting, he's been dumping a lot of time into our sets, and he had another good one this week. I mean, that thing was just just wicked fast on the outside after a few laps. But we it was a cold track, and that made a yeah, difference too. Yeah, that helped a ton. Yeah, that is definitely a a good set for a cold track. And yeah, it was it was. Super fast, but yeah, there wasn't was enough awesome. left of it. Yeah, I was running. That's why I was running so good. I mean, we were running one set, first, second, and fourth in our split, and it was because of the set. And uh, before I got wrecked out, so today's race, uh, I got wrecked out again. I was running about P seven. I hit the wall actually. I saved it, but then got ran over from behind. I mean, the first guy passed me, the second guy passed me, the third guy just plowed right into me, and I was going straight. And he just ran over me, and so ruined my day. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P14. Greg, you got P14 top split. You made top split. It was me, you, and Mike. Yeah, and it that's the first time, I think, in a long time that the three of us raced together. And I've been working my way up to get up with you guys. But uh, I don't know. That race had everything in it today. Like, we had a, a, a long run in the middle there. And then at the end, it was just caution after caution. And I got spun out. I think 50 laps in got some major damage um and was you know i was down on rpm so on the straightaways i was losing uh positions but there's there was but i think till until we got to like the lap 100 mark i think we lost our first car at lap 100 that went a lot more than one lap down like we had all 31 cars in that race for at least over 100 laps that were running on the lead lap so it was I was worried that I wasn't going to finish anywhere because I was running about P28 at that time. And then everything started going crazy for the last, like, 30 laps there. There was wrecks one lap after another. And it just slowly the cars started going away from their field. And, you know, we got I got to finish. I know you and Mike both got wrecks late and just caught up in other people's mess after even yours there, Ellis. Yeah, it was a bad. I just had horrible luck. All right, we're out of time. Let's jump to final thoughts. Uh, Brent McCoy, final thought. Yeah, um, 
let's congratulate Morley on those setups he's been providing lately. They've been uh, outstanding between his setups, you know, and uh, work we've been doing on our own. They've, uh, they've really been handling, especially this week. So congrats. Yes, absolutely. Chris Scales, final thoughts. Hey, it's looking forward to some more time at Kansas. I mean, I love that track. I love running that high line. And so hoping to get some decent race time in this weekend. All right. And Greg Hector's final thoughts. I'm just excited uh, starting a new job next week. So I will be around racing a lot more with you guys at nighttime. I finally got, after seven years of working at nights, I will be back on a day shift. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll be on streaming more. Um, I don't, anybody that's listening to this as like later on, we do have the, uh, YouTube page back up and running. Um, I've taken that over, um, for all these podcasts when I'm around. Um, and, uh, so hopefully that goes uh, a lot better. Um, I know Mike, when you do your final thoughts, I don't know if you want to talk about the, uh, position that we're looking for here, but, uh, Anybody that wants to follow me can uh, follow me at uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's, uh, and uh, hope to see everybody on the track. All right, cool. Tony Gross, final thoughts? Yep, my final thought this week is just a huge shout-out to the old Bastards Racing League. Um, I've I've only, uh, you know, I think I've done about five races now, and uh, and th- these guys are, are taught top-notch guys to race with um you know they're they're fun to chat with they're even more fun to race with and the amount that i'm learning which is the whole reason why i wanted to jump in with these guys um they're they're boosting my confidence and um man am i ever taken in a lot um they're so willing to help you out when you're having a hard time um good bunch of guys thank you all right yeah obrl.net check those guys out all right my final thought is talladega was a bust man i went in there looking for a win and man i just had horrible luck i actually did run well but i got caught up in crap and the luck is transferred onto kansas and i just can't shake it it's just bad uh as greg alluded to we're looking for a new team member at tafosi racing that specializes and social media manager is what we're looking for. Uh, somebody who managed social media for the podcast and the team and race with us uh, in a NIS. And so if you fit that model, uh, hit us up and let us know. Uh, we're interested in that. We're also looking for somebody to get involved with content production as far as the podcast goes. Working on the script, helping us gather topics, helping us clean them up and make them easy to read. So if you're interested, hit us up. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.